Good morning. How's everyone doing? Awesome, good a plethora of responses. I am so glad that you guys are here today. We're going to talk about something that we don't talk a lot about, but it's something Jesus talks about quite a bit. It's in the Bible quite a bit, and it's this whole idea of persecution. And so the Beatitudes say we're going to take really these two Beatitudes and be separate out into two different Beatitudes, but we're going to treat them as one this morning just uh, uh, for the sake of continuity and kind of talk through these. So if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. It says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the king of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Father, it's really easy um, for us when we think about persecution to think that we're always being persecuted. But it's also easy for us to think that we're never persecuted. So, Father, as we live in the balance of the not yet and the now, help us to understand um, what you're talking about today and help us to understand the importance of persecution as you use that to grow your church, as you use it to uh, purify your church. So, Father, guide and direct us as we walk through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I read the scripture, I'm sure of some things. I'm sure that those who believe in Jesus Christ will spend eternity in heaven with him. Amen? I'm sure this, the scripture teaches that one day the trumpet shall sound, the dead in Christ will rise and will be taken up with him, that there will be a second coming, uh, there'll be a literal kingdom on earth, and then one day we're going to all be with him again. Amen? And here's another cool thing. I know I'm going to get a new body. How about you? But also certain of this, as, as we study scripture, that, that, that we're going to go through it. That we as believers of Jesus Christ, we're going to experience persecution, we're going to experience frustration, um, but we need to do it in a way that is honoring to the Lord. And so we think about when Jesus is doing the Sermon on the Mount, he laid out all these different things about what it means to be in the kingdom, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the meek, on and on. And then, and then last week we talked about blessed are the peacemakers. The idea of peacemaker is this idea that we're, we're called to bring things together, but as we peacemake, as we try to be the practice of ministry reconciliation, as we share the gospel uh, with the world, we're going to experience persecution. So what is persecution? Because every one of us has a, a different idea of what persecution is. But let's look at what a biblical understanding of persecution, persecution is. It's the cause to suffer, whether physical or emotional, to oppress someone on account of their religion, faith, or nationality to experience the injustice of being denied resources, employment, or representation because of your faith. Think about that for a second. So how many of y'all have ever traveled out of the country? Raise your hands. How many of y'all have ever traveled to a country uh, that Christianity is not the dominant faith? Okay, many of y'all have, okay? So in the, the countries I've been to, um, it, and uh, one is Ethiopia. You, you can talk to Jim and Nicole and Rick and so many other people about the persecution uh, within the context of Ethiopia. Ethiopia is under a firestorm right now with all the, the war and the civil war going on right now. Uh, but it's, not, it's, it's those who belong to a different faith who usually persecute evangelical Christians. And, and we're not talking about, in that case, it's not the Muslims. It's the Orthodox Church of Ethiopia that persecutes Bible-believing Christians. When you go to Belarus, there's the Russian Orthodox Church, and in Belarus, I, I remember being there where we were always on guard. There was places that we would go meet and, and, and homes, and, 
and we would go meet in different ministries, and it's illegal to have a ministry other than what's sanctioned by the government at that time. And so we had uh, cameras and alarms, and we had an escape plan to get out of the building. Right now in our country, we, we don't experience that, but we could. Uh, last Friday was Voice of the Martyrs praying for the persecuted church around the world. When the Voice of the Martyrs talks about persecution, they talk about um, different types of nations. They talk about this idea of a restricted nation. A restricted nation are countries where government-sanctioned circumstances or anti-Christian laws lead to Christians being harassed, imprisoned, killed, or deprived of possessions or liberties because of their witnesses. Uh, that means that in some countries, you can't get a Bible. In some countries, you're, you're not allowed to assemble for the very worship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But you know what? There's still Bibles there. Um, there's still worship of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then, then there's a, a, they have another um, definition of areas. It's called a hostile nation or hostile areas. Now, hostile areas are this, identified nations or large areas of nations where governments may attempt to provide protection for the Christian population, but Christians are still routinely persecuted by family, friends, neighbors, or political groups because of their witnesses. So when we look at that, we, we, we say, well, persecution then is, is the fact that you live under an oppressive regime. And, and those who live in the West and Europe and the United States of America, uh, for many years we have been living our lives as believers with the wind at our back. That we have not faced a lot of persecution, yet we have faced a lot of irritation and frustration, but not to the point where they're coming in and saying, you thou shall not worship. Listen, when we had restrictions because of uh, COVID, you know, um, and I've heard lots of people say, well, they're persecuting us. Well, then you'd have to say they're persecuting bars and restaurants too. Because we still were able to assemble. Yes, we had different rules and different things like that. But the fact is we were called to submit to our government because one of the jobs of the government, according to Romans 13, is to protect its people, to judge its people. And we're called to pray. Now listen, governments can turn on, on believers. And, and we're seeing kind of this idea of the wind shifting from our back to the front as we look at different legislations and things like that have come out within even the last several weeks. But the fact is this, Jesus said there at persecution. John Stott said this, persecution is this, is when, when two polar opposite ideologies, they clash. It's when our Christian belief clashes with the culture of today. And, and what we see right now is the clashing of cultures. Not just today. But when Jesus was ministering in most of history, there's been no such thing as religious freedom. And, and Christians have been called to minister in, in deplorable circumstances and situations where the gospel must go out. Where Christians stood in the gap for the poor and the needy and for those who were oppressed by other people. And the fact is the gospel is the call even to be persecuted. So Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted. So we're going to look at these two types of persecution that Jesus talks about. First, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Being persecuted for righteousness' sake. This whole idea that's because they do what God requires. That we're persecuted because of the very fact that we are doing what we're required to do. We're trying to live out the righteousness of God because of the fact that we're loyal to Him. I think what Jesus is talking about here, He's talking about, let's look at these characteristics of the Beatitudes. Let's look at the poor in spirit. Let's look at the meek, those who in hunger and thirst for righteousness, the, the peacemakers. So these are the characteristics that, that, that are within the believers who are, who are citizens of the kingdom. 
And these are the things that are so countercultural that you might be persecuted for. Now, when we look at the first century and what Jesus is preaching against, or not against, what Jesus is preaching in this, the context of his preaching, we talked this last week, there's Pax Romana, <clears throat> that the people are being thrown in jail and they're being crucified. Crucifixion was a common occurrence every day for those who, 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 dared, who dared to oppose Rome. <clears throat> so, so that's the political climate of the day. <clears throat> not only that, but within the context of, of religion at that time, uh, within, within Judaism, there's a group called the Pharisees and the Scribes. We talked about the Pharisees and the Scribes. And the Pharisees were preaching this outside religion that they wanted to look good on the outside, but on the inside, it was dark and dirty. And Jesus is speaking here on the Sermon Mount. He's talking about the qualities and characteristics of those who live within the context of the kingdom. And guess what? <clears throat> These aren't the Pharisees. And so when you read the gospel accounts of Jesus and dealing with people, most of his persecution... The very people that brought him before Rome were the Pharisees in the context of the religion of the day. And so blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. The Apostle Paul, who, who in First and Second Timothy is writing to Timothy, and, he, and he's preparing Timothy for ministry, and he gives him all kinds of instructions. He talks about what's the role of an elder, what's the, the role of a, of a deacon, how, how to combat false teaching, uh, because as we move closer to the end, uh, we're going to see lots of false teaching. So this is a verse out of 2 Timothy 3.12. It says this, Indeed, all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Think about that for a second. Jesus is saying, Blessed are the persecuted for my righteousness' sake. Uh, righteousness sake. So if you desire to live a godly life, you're probably going to experience some sort of persecution in your life. Whether you're the person at, at, at high school and you're, and you're reading your Bible at lunch and someone's going to make fun of you, that, that's emotional persecution. Maybe you're at work and you decide not to cheat on something or cheat a client and you, and you take a stand for the faith, your righteousness sake, to do right things, and, and therefore you're persecuted maybe by your boss. So Paul, who writes most of this stuff from prison because he's being persecuted, says, listen, hey church, if you're going to live a godly life, you're probably going to face some persecution. Amen or oh my. So when you came to faith, did you sign up for this? When you came to faith, did someone tell you, you know what, by coming to faith, you're going to experience maybe some denial by your family, maybe some frustration at work, or maybe some things that come against you that are going to be totally frustrating. But most of the time when we think about persecution, it's not for righteousness' sake. Sometimes our persecution is, is just a consequence for our sinfulness. Because we behaved in such a way in the name of Jesus that we didn't bring honor and glory to his name, but, but, since, but we're getting frustration. When I was in college, uh, how many of y'all went to a state school? Okay. Um, state school, well, actually, even Christian schools have problems. But I'll never forget this. The BSU, Baptist Student Union, for those who don't know what BSU means, now it's Baptist, I don't know what it is. But, but we were across the street from the library. This is where we were. We were off campus because that's where we were supposed to be. We are off campus, and, and we would have Bible study and prayer and worship, and we would minister to the campus. Well, one day, the prophets of doom showed up with their signs, and they stood in front of the library with these signs with all kinds of hateful things about people that were fraternities and sororities, about public education. So tell me, does that, does that help the, the, the cause of Christ? What it does is what people do when, when, people, when Christians act like they're not Christians but in the name of Jesus, 
what the world does is they clump all Christians together. You see how they are, you see how they are, and the fact is, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, not for our own sinfulness. Not only that, there's, there's another kind of persecution. It's this whole idea of persecution. Let, let me read this. It says this. Jesus says, and, and it says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Now, for righteousness' sake, is, is what you do. You live a godly life. <clears throat> on my account, is you're persecuted for the very fact that you're a believer. You're persecuted, like in, in Pakistan, where you're denied employment because you're a Christian, or you're called to convert to a different faith, to Islam, or you don't get a job. There's places in the world where there's these things called honor killings. If you convert to Jesus, you could be killed by your family for the very sake on his account, because of Jesus. Now, what, what Jesus is talking about, he says that you're reviled. Now, reviled, <clears throat> how many of y'all use the word revile every week? Well, you know what? I, none of us do, right? So, so revile, you know, when you study the original language, revile is this, which is this, it's, it's strong verbal abuse. I mean, it, it's calling you everything but whatever. It, it's strong verbal abuse. And back in the first century and before the first century, when we think about reviling somebody, the rabbis considered this as evil as idolatry, fornication, and bloodshed combined. They said to speak so lowly of somebody is terrible. So Jesus is saying this, they're going to speak so bad about you. Why? Because you belong to me. And then, then he said this, he says they're going to utter evil against you. So can you imagine being the first century crowd sitting up there on that hill uh, side with Jesus and Jesus says they're going to revile you and they're going to utter all kinds of evil against you. And think about the disciples that are there. What is he? I signed up for the new kingdom, which means we're going to overthrow Rome. We're going to get our own little places to live and we're going to rule. <clears throat> but Jesus says they're going to speak poorly of you. And then he says this, not only are they going to speak poorly of you, but they're going to lie about you. They're going to lie about you. In today's culture, um, there are things that are spoken falsely about believers. There's ugly things said about believers. And yes, I would even say there are times that, that people are reviled because of the fact that, that you claim the name of Jesus this morning. And so Jesus is laying this all out, man. I mean, he, he's just laying this all out. He said, you know, this is what you're signing up for. Because, you know, we're all like, man, I'm all for the poor in spirit thing. <clears throat> I'm all for being meek. I'm all for hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for uh, um, peacemaking. But persecution? The persecution? It's been said that... that, that Persecution does, does two things. It, it, uh, it, it purifies the church because nominal believers who come to church probably don't want to be persecuted. But when you read 1 Peter, it scatters the church. And, and throughout history, when, when we see where there's been pockets of persecution, we see churches grow like crazy, like some of the biggest churches in the world are in China. There, there's lots of Christians in China and in other countries because of persecution. 
And God uses that persecution to spread the gospel. So Jesus speaking to the disciples on the Sermon Mount. If you continue to read the gospel, there's other places where Jesus talks about persecution. Turn to John 15, verses 19 through 20. Jesus talking to the disciples. This is before he's going to be crucified. This is after the upper room experience. This is where he gives a new command to love. This is when he talks about, let not your hearts be troubled because there's a place that I'm going. I'm going to bring you with me, this hopefulness of the gospel. But then he talks about the Holy Spirit coming. But in John 15, he says this in verse 19. If you are the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will also keep yours. Jesus speaking to the disciples, said, hey guys, this is coming. This is coming. So what is the ultimate expression of a persecution? You guys know that word? What's the strongest form of persecution? It's, it's martyrdom. The very fact that the church has built on, been built on the blood of the martyrs. And, and when Jesus is teaching this whole thing about persecution, and he tells the disciples this, every one of the disciples except John was martyred. Think, think about even the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was, was thrown in jail and prison, and he was beheaded for his faith. Um, John, uh, who wrote John the Revelator, John was, he was exiled to the island of Patmos. He didn't experience that type of martyr, but he was persecuted. Peter, Peter was traditionally, they said that he was uh, crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy to be crucified the same way that Jesus was. And James was thrown off the pinnacle of the temple. In the midst of this, Jesus says this, blessed are those who are persecuted. Do you feel blessed yet? So the response to Jesus or living the kingdom standard of practicing justice and living for righteousness sake leads us to a confrontation with our culture. Sharing our faith leads to either repentance and faith by people or rejection and persecution. The problem is this. Very few people, and I'm not trying to lump everyone in, but very few people are sharing their faith today. And that's the call of the church, is to live out the gospel. So, so how was Jesus persecuted? I, I'm not going to read this long passage, but if, if you want, you can read the gospel accounts of his crucifixion. Matthew 27, 24 through 44, or you can read the gospels. When every time Jesus teached, a lot of times the people wanted to trick him. They, wanted to, they called him a liar. They did this. They wanted to stone him to death. But look at his crucifixion, his trial. Evil things were said about him. They lied about him. He was beaten, he was crucified, and he was mocked to the point where they put a sign up and said, here's the king of the Jews. Where they, they, just, they did all kinds of things to him. If you want to understand that persecution, look at an Old Testament prophecy about Jesus' persecution, his execution, his crucifixion. In Isaiah chapter 53, it's a picture of, of what Jesus did. And he endured all this, listen, he endured all this for us. He endured all this for the church of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. Um, even in the midst of persecution, Jesus says this, and even the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. No matter how bad it gets in our world, the gates of hell will never prevail against his church. So what's our response to persecution? You may find this quite surprising. Because within us, when, we are, when the pressure is on in our lives, whether it's 
something physical or something emotional or even spiritual, our response, and you learn this in basic psychology or whatever, is to fight or to flight, right? We either, we either, we either put up our dukes, for those who are younger, dukes are your fists, if you don't, for the, in case you get a comment, what is he talking about? Or we run, okay? So this is what Jesus says, our response should be to persecution. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecute the prophets who were before you. Okay, first of all, that has nothing to do with fighting or flighting. Rejoice and be glad. So that word in the Greek there is in the present tense, that while you're going through it, rejoice. It's not afterwards you go, I'm glad that's over with. It's in the very present sense that, that when you're having a hard time because of your faith at school, rejoice and be glad. When you're having a hard time at work because of your faith, rejoice and be glad. In the present tense, because that is a supernatural response to what the world and the evil wants to throw at you. Now listen, it's not like, ha, 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 bring it on. It's like, you know what? I'm going to be okay. So rejoice. And then it says to be glad. To be glad, to be confident in the fact that God is always with you. Then it says this, for they persecute the prophets who were before you. So it's this idea of remembering that the church of Jesus Christ, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, those who believe have been persecuted. And their names ended up in the book. Well, we can go a little further. Now, we're going to get into this deeper, so I'm not going to really break all this down. But after this, when, when you, we keep going on the Sermon on the Mount, we're still in chapter 5, so you can read this, because what Jesus talks about in the Beatitudes, he unpacks a little bit more in the rest on the Sermon on the Mount. But read Matthew 5, 38 through 40. I'm not going to read it, but read it later, because we just don't have time to walk through all that. But listen, what are we supposed to do? If someone asks you for your cloak, you give it to them. If someone slaps you in the face, you turn the other cheek. Now, we're going to get into this a little bit more. If, if they ask you to go a mile, because tradition was a Roman soldier could, could force you to carry their pack for a mile. But Jesus said this, go the extra mile. And then Jesus said something that is so repulsive to my human nature. He said to love your enemies. To love your enemies. He'll later on, he'll say, he'll, he'll add a caveat to that, to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. Matthew, here's some other ways to deal with persecution. Jesus tells the disciples that persecution is coming. This is in Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 18. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents, as innocent as doves. So as you deal with the changing change in climate or maybe in the change of, of, of how people view Christians, be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Make good choices, but be gentle. He says this, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. He's talking to disciples, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, which happened to bear witness for them and the Gentiles. So Jesus is telling the disciples this, the very purpose of the persecution that you can go to is so the gospel will be spread. When you look at the book of First and Second Peter in, in 
First and Second Thessalonians, and even the letters that Paul writes, it's being written in the midst of persecution. So Peter writes these words of encouragement at the same time that Nero, remember Nero? Remember what Nero's famous for? Burning down Rome, right? Okay. So, so Tacticus, who is a, a Roman historian, said this, that, that Nero burnt Rome down, but who did he blame? He blamed the Christians. And, and what he did, when, when he did this, he basically put an open season on Christians in the first century um, where they dressed Christians up in, in animals' clothes, and they, they ran them out into the Colosseum, and, and they were massacred in the Colosseum. And why they are being massacred, they were praying, and they were singing. So in the midst of this, this is, this is what Peter says. I'm going to read a couple verses out of 1 Peter. He says this in 1 Peter 3, 14 and 16. But even if you suffer for righteousness' sake, you'll be blessed. So, so hey, you guys who are being persecuted under Nero, you're going to be blessed. Those of you who feel persecuted now because, listen, n- not because of your bad behavior, but because of for righteousness' sake and because of Jesus' name, you're going to be blessed. You hear the words of Jesus. Listen, he says this about persecution. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. And this is the part I love about how we respond to persecution. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you have, yet do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience so that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Did you hear that word revile again? So, so Peter's saying this, hey, you know what? Um, don't be afraid. Honor Christ, the Lord is holy, which means to be set apart, that our behavior under pressure is not to be like the world. Our behavior under persecution is, is not to be like the world. Now, listen, we don't go retreat and stick our head in the sand because in America we do have religious freedom and we're allowed to do certain things. But the fact is this, that, that we don't have to be afraid. But he says this, but in your Christ, honor, in your heart, honor Christ. In the midst of this, we want to say, am I pleasing the Lord in the midst of this trouble? But the part I like is because you're acting so differently in the midst of pressure, it said be ready to give an account for the hope you have in Jesus Christ. So, hey, you know, I, I noticed that because uh, you're a believer, but, hey, you read the Bible and people make fun of you. Why don't you lash back out? Well, because what Jesus taught me. Hey, I noticed that since you came to faith that, there's, that your family doesn't want to hang around you anymore. How come you, see, you, you still ask for prayer for them? How come you keep reaching out to them? Well, because I have a hope in Jesus. Hey, there's certain things going on in our country that are really frustrating. How, how come you can still sing the praises of the Lord? And how come you aren't giving in to despair? Because I have a hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? And then Peter goes on to say in 1 Peter 4.13, it's this. Hey, beloved, don't be surprised at the fire trials when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. So persecution is not a strange thing. But again, he says, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad with his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of the God and of God rests upon you. The very fact that suffering and persecution is really a, it's a mark of being a follower of Jesus Christ. 
So we talk about a def- one of the defense, we talk about apologetics as a defense of the faith. Though in the scripture, there's an apologetic of love. They will know you're my disciples by the love you show for one another. There's an apologetic of work. When, when the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians talks about keep working hard, live a quiet life. Uh, and there's an apologetic of suffering. That when you suffer, when you're insulted, the fact is that, that, that you're just like Jesus. And then finally, when we're going through persecution, let's, let's remember what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. He says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ I am content with the weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul's saying, no matter what goes through me, what happens to me, God's grace is sufficient for me. Amen? You ever thought about that? That his, his grace is sufficient for anything I go through? So, so finally, let me get a little drink of water here. <clears throat> What's the result? persecution. Well, in these two Beatitudes, Jesus says two different things. One thing he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said that also about the poor in spirit. And then he says this, for your reward is great in heaven, for they persecute the prophets who are before you. For theirs is the kingdom. The Apostle Paul sums it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18. He says, for this momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That theirs is the kingdom. That, that what, we're, what we're doing here is, Victor Hugo said, we're not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying, but we're in the land of the dying going to the land of the living because of Jesus. And, and all those things that we go, go through right now, it says they're light and they're momentary. Because listen, in the, in, in the scope of eternity, it's preparing us, it's purifying us, it's making us more like Jesus. And, and then, then he says, and then, for your reward is great in heaven. And we understand that, that idea that um, one day there are crowns and things like that. You know, James 1.12 says, Blessed is a man who endureth trial and temptation, for when he is tested and he's made it through, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised him. Amen? Yes, there, there are benefits and rewards now, but the rewards later are not, not to be done, but they're out of this world. They're out of this world. And then finally, when, when we think about uh, what's the result, I always think about Romans 8, 35 through 39. I want to close with this passage. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as a sheep to the slaughter. Knowing all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? What awaits us is this, that we have His presence now through His Holy Spirit, but we'll be with Him. And in this world, folks, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Let's pray. Father, for Your mercy and grace, we're grateful. We know that Your mercy is sufficient. And Father, help us to understand and not to be surprised when when things seem like they're difficult. Because, Father, you teach us in your word that, that things will be difficult. And, Father, but the thing about the difficulty is this, that, that you're never going to leave us. And so, Father, help us have hope in that. 
Father, help us to be wise in the way that we deal with persecution. But Father, help us as we are persecuted to always glorify you and point people to Jesus. Father, help us to, to use the things that are difficult in our lives um, to share the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, if you just need prayer, if you want to talk about church membership, or you want to just talk about what it means to be a believer this morning, what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to be up here and I'd love to talk to you this morning.